How are we doing, guys? This is Fit of Food Radio, episode 120. It's me, Matt Whitmore, with the amazing Keris Marsden, as always. But we've got a super-duper fantastic guest on the show today. Really, really excited to talk to her. And if you follow Fit of Food on social media, um, you might recognise this lady's name and her story from a couple of posts that Keris has put up about this super-inspirational woman. Her name is Caroline Yeats. She is a student at the College of Natural medicine which is how she met keris keris is her lecturer keris has kind of like just told me about this this amazing person who unfortunately is is battling cancer at the minute um however if you met her or read her story or you know saw a picture of her smiling you would you would never ever, ever know so we wanted to get her on the show today to kind of talk about how her journey and how she's dealing with it as a a wife and a uh, a mother um and i yeah i can i can already feel myself choking up a little bit how bad's oh. that um cuz i do think it's so caroline um first of all f- hello thank you for Hi. coming on to the show uh, it's an thank absolute you thanks pleasure. for having me um obviously keris has cuz has told me about you um and your and your wonderful story but why don't you kind of introduce yourself to our listeners about kind of i suppose your your your, your journey thus far Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Um, really great to, to meet you, Matt. Um, <laughs> and obviously, Keris, um, I know well from, from my lectures. So it's uh, great, to, great to talk to you as well, Keris. So I'm Caroline. I am a student nutritionist and, as Matt said, a wife and a mum. I've got an amazing toddler, Oscar, who is just the light of my life. And I had a pretty, pretty great life, really. I was... Um, I'd left a a big finance job, which was very stressful a couple of years ago and started studying and had my son and and all was going really well. And then unfortunately, last year, I started suffering from severe back pain. Not really anything I thought too much about. I had a baby, lot young mums have uh, have back pain. But unfortunately, when we investigated and I finally had an MRI scan to see what was going on, we found that there was a tumour in my spine. And that tumour was a secondary tumour to uh, what turned out to be bowel cancer. So I had, I was diagnosed in September last year, I was 33. And it turned out I had bowel cancer that had spread to my liver, my lungs, my spine, and my pelvis. And it was pretty scary I'm not gonna lie um it wasn't a complete shock out of the blue that I had cancer three years ago I had a colonoscopy which is where you have a camera put up your bottom it's a delightful procedure because I'd suffered with irritable bowel syndrome like lots of stomach problems and I'd noticed some blood so guys if you ever notice blood in your poo please go to the doctor and get it checked um <laughs> But I, so I did, I went and got it checked and I had a colonoscopy and they found a tumour, which I had removed. Now, I was told at the time that tumour was precancerous. So there were some changes there. It wasn't completely normal cells, but it wasn't anything to worry about. It hadn't spread. They took it out. Boom, boom, all done. And I've been under, I've been monitored. I've had other colonoscopies since, but but nothing else. So when I found out it was bowel cancer, it, it you know, as I say, it wasn't 100% a shock, but it was pretty shocking to find out that this cancer had spread so far in my body when I was feeling 
amazingly healthy other than backache. Um, I think this is one of the weirdest things I find with cancer is, as Matt mentioned at the beginning, that like you look at me and you wouldn't think I was, uh, you know, very ill. Um, and generally, I don't feel really ill either. Um, it's a very strange disease like that. So I had spinal surgery first because I was in a lot of pain. One of my vertebrae had collapsed as uh, so they had to stick 12 metal pins in me. I'm now the bionic woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then I had radiotherapy on the spine, which is uh, very targeted like x-rays to kind of kill off the tumor in my spine because again, that was the one that was really causing me problems. And since then, so since November, I've been having chemotherapy, which is um, where you're given drugs to help kill all of the cancer, hopefully, throughout the body, all of, all of the different cancer cells. Now, for me, my cancer is termed incurable. So that means that they don't think that they would ever get rid of it completely. That was a, a big, big shock to hear and a big thing to deal with. And at the moment, we don't know whether the chemotherapy is working. I have, I've just had a scan, actually, and I'll find out very soon whether it is. So all fingers crossed for me, please. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but hopefully, hopefully it's at least stabilizing the cancer um, and, and helping to prolong my life, really. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell where we're up to right now with my with my kind of scary cancer journey. Amazing. And I suppose like obviously, I know you said it wasn't a, a complete shock mm. um, when you did kind of get the, the official kind of diagnosis, but... I always kind of, I know it sounds terrible, but we often, because, you know, we, unfortunately, we know a lot of people, either our immediate family or family of friends or friends of ours, similar to yourself, who have, you know, been diagnosed with cancer and, you know, some of which unfortunately lost their battle. And we often say how it doesn't just affect one person, does it? Because like you say that there's your there's your your husband there's your son who I suppose fortunately at the moment is maybe too young to really have a clue what's going yeah. on <laughs> there's your you know parents you know other family members that, that that have this that are dealing with it as well right there with you you know even though you're the one going through it they're kind of going through it as well so I suppose my question is is like how did your your husband respond to to this situation because we often say like remember when we kind of in fact after Keris told me your story I was like oh my god I don't know what I'd do if if we found out you got cancer and then Keris was like yeah but I'd rather have the cancer than you I'd probably <laughs> you know I, 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 I'd probably you know worry more about you having it than me having it and I was like oh yeah I see what you mean type thing so you know how how did he react to the news because because I mean the way you talk about it I mean I've kind of like felt myself welling up on a good few occasions already, yet you just talk about it so... Well, can I just say at the end of your story, Caroline, I said amazing. And I just thought that was the most inappropriate thing to say. <laughs> but what I meant was, it's just amazing how you tell your story. Yeah. Like, and I've read your blog and it's exactly the same. I was just, I, I read it like from start to finish in one sitting because it's just, in, I'm just in awe of how you, how you can tell Aww, this story so... You just so inspirationally so positively so and also kind of just very pragmatic you know both of us two mm. are like literally fanning tears right now so <laughs> yeah I mean Matt I'll, I'll answer your question because I think that's a really I think it's a really important point and family and friends are just a huge huge part of this but I do tell it very straightforward my story you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm naturally a talker. I liked, I like to write. I like to talk. My blog, um, actually, I've found very, very cathartic. It's been a real 
really useful process for me writing it down and getting my head around it but that's not to say I don't have my major my major down days as well and and you know tears and screaming and shouting and it's not fair um but you know life isn't and you have to deal with what you're given um I don't like what I've given right now but there's also a lot that I do like that I've been given and I've got tons of amazing stuff in my life my family and friends being big part of that and so I just have to focus on that and I have to focus on on the good stuff and deal with with this you know big thing that's going on in the best possible way and I think it's funny that you just said that Keris about you'd rather you'd rather it was you the Matt I think I feel the same I am um, I feel really lucky with what I've learned in college so far that I've got quite a lot of ammunition um, behind me and I can go in and I can talk to my doctors and I can talk at, at, at quite a you know detailed level because I understand enough about how the body works and how cancer works and my husband comes to appointments with me sometimes and then he comes out at the end and he goes can you um can you just translate that for me um and and you know it's like it's true like it's it's a foreign language and I really I really feel for people actually in my position who don't have that knowledge it must be terrifying because knowledge is is power to a to a certain extent and for me it may it helps me kind of keep it facts and figures and I mean people laugh at me when I say this but you know sometimes I'll like look at my scans and my results I'm like this is really interesting and like <laughs> go off researching bits and I'm like because from a sort of from an academic perspective or from you know my study perspective it's like it is it's fascinating I just can't quite believe it's going on in my body but it, yeah it helps that I'm not feeling really ill all the time but Matt to come back to your point because I think that's such a point an important one family and friends it's it's a huge thing for other people to deal with and I would say my husband was probably more in shock than I was when we got the diagnosis and I remember because initially they knew it was cancer but they didn't know it was bowel cancer um, and it was probably two weeks before they they worked out that it was bowel cancer and I remember that meeting with the oncologist and him saying oh well the histology reports have just come back which is where they you know they take tissue samples of the tumor and so on and work out what's going on and and it's showing strong indications that it's bowel cancer and I was like I cheered I was like oh my goodness yes, thank god for that we've got you know that makes sense to me and and um, and I remember going home and sort of saying this to my mum who was home and 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 my, hu- my husband was there and and I was like it's such good news and my husband was like how is this good news it would be good news if it was all a mistake <laughs> and I was like yeah okay you've got a point but you know in the grand scheme of things <laughs> um I, you know n- knowing that knowing that helped he's been incredible I mean my husband is my biggest rock he's the most amazing person in this world um he's very he's very calm and he you know keeps a level head and he's just the most amazing dad as well which is fantastic um because sometimes I'm just not capable of being much of a mum on some days I just can't do anything thing um so it's wonderful that he he has such a good bond with my son um and I think for my parents as well I don't think there is probably anything worse than seeing your child being ill oh, it's of kind of the wrong way round, isn't it um and I know if 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 Oscar like bumps his head or something I'm like I'm in a state <laughs> oh no he's in pain so I think for my parents okay I'm a grown woman it's not quite the same but for my parents seeing me um, ill and and you know knowing that they're probably going to live longer than me is really hard I think really really tough and they're incredible they're such strong people um, and they've been they've just been rocks as well they've been doing tons with childcare and helping out and I know I know they're always there you know we're, we're a pretty close family my brother as well he's awesome he's marrying a doctor it's quite helpful um, <laughs> to have her on can you just can you just uh, explain this to me um so so yeah no having my family around is is absolutely incredible I mean I I, I 
wrote a blog post quite near the beginning about family and friends. And one real silver lining that's come out of cancer is I have realized what an incredible network and support team I have around me. You know, I, I didn't really think of myself as somebody with tons of friends. I have good friends, um, but I never really thought of myself as somebody with loads of friends. And actually, turned out I've accumulated an awful lot along the way. And, and you know, <laughs> so many of them are coming out and just being amazing in their you know each in their own own way which is which is wonderful I couldn't I couldn't be getting through the days without without the people around me do you find it are you able to talk about you know the subject of cancer with everybody because I'm sure as everyone is kind of turning up visiting reconnecting with you but are some people not wanting to kind of approach the subject because they don't know how to or they're just not sure I think so I mean certainly at the beginning you know a lot of people just said I don't I don't know what to say and you know I said that that's fine you don't there isn't who knows what to say I don't know what to say it's it's an impossible situation um to to react to in so many ways so I get it if people don't want to talk about it and I have again I found my blog useful it's useful for me but the reason I then put it up online to share it was because I wanted friends and family to get all the facts and figures um, and, and the details and know what was going on without me having to explain it a hundred times or, you know, it, it can come, you know, making sure I get down all of the, all of the important things and get it across in the right way to people. And I think that really helps the people, when people talk to me, they know where I'm up to with the treatment. They know kind of what's going on. They know my prognosis. And so we don't have to talk talk about bits that they're not comfortable with. Um, and, and some people some people love to talk about all the details and some people just prefer to kind of almost pretend it's not happening. And and, and I get both. It's, it's fine. You know, everybody reacts differently. I think particularly, you know, I've got some friends who have lost close friends and family to cancer fairly recently and I think for them it must be particularly hard as well everybody responds differently and and I'm I'm learning I'm learning to to deal with that and, and other people learn to deal with it as well but I think my friends all know that I'm I'm very open if they want to ask me questions I'm more than happy to answer so you know they've got with open communication is it's a good thing it's a good thing in every case but yeah it helps I have to say, like having the, I, you know, we spoke last year when you first got diagnosed, just had a conversation over the phone and I hadn't seen you for a few months. And then you kind of bounded over in a lecture with a glittery bum bag <laughs> containing your <laughs> chemotherapy treatment, which was actually going kind of intravenously into your neck. And I was just bowled over. <laughs> and, uh, my first thought was, what are you doing in lectures? But then yeah, I completely get why. It was probably a good question, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but also just your kind of, yeah, as I said, just just your kind of like energy, but also straight away you open a dialogue to talk about it, which is a lot easier than, you know, kind of my first thought was, do you want to just pretend this isn't happening? Should we just get on? Do you want to know about, you know, I don't know, mitochondria or cellular function or something? <laughs> Let's not talk about the bum bag at this point in time, but you, you do. You open, you the bum bag in the room, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you find your, um, was your, was your husband kind of like, like pandering to you a bit more after your diagnosis like was he almost being like extra nice to you and trying to do more for you or because my great uncle he 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 died of cancer many years ago now but I remember when I visited him at home whilst you know he was kind of going through it and um he was he was like oh do you want some breakfast and I was like yeah I'll have some breakfast but I'll do it and he was like well no I'll do it and I was like well no no you rest and he had a go at me because he was like, <laughs> I'm not bloody useless. Like, you know, if I, you know, you're a guest in my house, I'll make you breakfast. Like, Aww. don't make a big deal out of this. Like, you know, and I, and I suppose he just wanted to 
just continue as normal, normal and not yeah. make yeah. it a bit like all. Oh, Oh, okay. You know, you make breakfast because I'm no longer capable because I've got cancer and blah yeah. blah blah. And was there was was it a bit like that with yourself? Was it like well, no, let's. It was. I mean, I think it's definitely like we talk about the new normal all the time, and it is. Um, you know, like I am a fiercely independent person. Like I do everything, and I think one of my biggest challenges has been learning to ask for help. Um, I don't doesn't come naturally to me. And now I have to ask for help sometimes in the street um, when, you know, when I get stuck. So one of my biggest problems is the spinal tumor caused nerve damage and damage to the nerves that go to my hands. So I have limited functionality, particularly in my right hand and I'm right handed. I don't have any grip. Like I can't hold a pen, for example, and write anymore, which is really hard. Actually, I didn't realize how much I wrote things down like we kind of think oh, we do everything on phones and computers but actually you know like I go into hospital and I have to fill in a form and I have to say I'm really sorry I can't do it can you do it for me to the doctor and they kind of look at you a bit strangely some of the time um but but that actually has caused me major issues and for quite a long time after I had surgery and then again radiotherapy because both of those made the nerve damage um temporarily quite a lot worse there were a lot of things I physically couldn't do so I couldn't I couldn't do up my own bra for a while that was a, <laughs> that was a low point um and you know cutting up food for lunch opening my bottles of tablets things like this so my husband you know he was looking after a, a pretty disabled wife for a while and that was that was a real challenge for both of us because I hated that he had to do everything for me and as much as he is you know he was more than willing to do absolutely anything and everything apart from hair he doesn't do hair we've decided <laughs> totally incapable no French um, plants <laughs> no absolutely not um how is it hard to put a hair bobble in us he still needs to learn this anyway um you know, he was, you know I've, he was, I've, got, I've got a hack for that have you? Okay, I'm going to get you to send it to him. <laughs> I saw a video, it was hilarious, of like, um, I think it was like a a little kind of like montage of like these father hacks with their oh, right. with their children. And the one the one for putting a bobble on or a, a hairband, is it? Yeah, yeah. They're the little ones, yeah. 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 Was to get the, put the hairband over the end of a, a, a hoover, a vacuum pole, <laughs> suck the hair. the hair up, and then whilst the hair's up in the thing, roll it down over it. Okay, thanks, Matt. Maybe we won't try that one. But. <laughs> if you do, put it on Facebook. Yeah, it's Instagram that if you do, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay, maybe not. Um, anyway, no, he was more than happy to help with, like, everything for a while. But it's, it's helped now that I have... I've I've learned to do a lot more with my hands like it's amazing how you adapt but also the strength has come back a bit as well which helps so I can do a lot more for myself um but yeah I think (laughs) the other extreme of that it's like um how much can I get away with playing the cancer card um I think I didn't change a nappy for three months which I was pretty (laughs) proud of um unfortunately my husband does now know that I can do that again um, (laughs) um, but but yeah no he you know we would we would have a joke I'd be like oh can you do this can you do that and then he'd get to the point with oh come on you know stop playing the cancer card you can do that yourself (laughs) I think that's actually really good because it lightens the mood and you know it's sometimes I you know at the beginning I had real breakdowns over the smallest things like not being able to tie my hair up and I would just get really upset about it because I'm like for goodness sake you know I can't do the simplest thing and you know this is so frustrating and it was it was things like that rather than the bigger picture and the cancer that would get me upset Mm -hmm. um so um I think you know now we're kind of in a more we're sort of more stable and, and and I'm a bit more independent again it's it's really good to be able to make a joke of these things because otherwise you just go insane quite frankly oh, <laughs> God, yeah. and I, I do think you have um 
I mean, I can totally see what you're saying, by the way. It often is. It's those little things that we, I suppose, we, we take for granted, don't we? Yeah, like, absolutely. And you kind of take something away which you don't even normally give a second thought and all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, this is this is actually causing me a, a real problem. And they always, I think the thing with them, um, whenever we've had like an injury and it's something like getting dressed, making your breakfast, the things you do first thing in the morning, that can suddenly treble, treble in time. And then you realise like you just said how much you took that routine for granted. Mm. And then you get frustrated. Because start of the day, you're like, it's like 10 o'clock. And I've literally yeah, just... absolutely. You know, it takes just, me forever to do anything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I, I know when I... Um, dislocated my elbow I dislocated my left elbow and I'm right-handed so I thought this isn't going to be a big deal you know I'm right-handed like no drama but then you think there is actually a lot of things that require (laughs) two hands yeah absolutely like even little things like like opening a jar like you can't do that with one hand and then of course but then of course you then actually I'll cut you between my legs and then you (laughs) work around it is you learn you find these adaptations that some of them are very amusing but (laughs) yeah you're like I'm quite proud of that (laughs) um but you obviously you meant you mentioned obviously you've been studying at cnm so i'm i'm gonna assume you're quite a health conscious individual you you kind of you eat you eat well you exercise you know the importance etc has there been much of a change in kind of like your your nutrition and lifestyle um kind of like before you were diagnosed and then after sure Yeah, so I think for me, the big change actually was three years ago when this original tumour was found. Um, I was always reasonably healthy. I was always like a sporty one at school. I'd run a marathon. Um, You know, I would exercise or do yoga pretty much every day. I cycled to work. I ate okay, you know, given I had three meals a day in the office quite often, you know, I didn't eat badly at all. Um, But when they found the tumour and, and I'd suffered with, with irritable bowel syndrome for a long time. It really made me go, OK, I've got to make some changes. And for me, a lot of those were lifestyle uh, rather than diet. So that's when I was like, I need to leave this job that is having me flying around the world and working crazy, crazy hours and in the office all the time. Um, that's why I decided to start studying nutrition as well and make a huge kind of lifestyle career change. Um, and I did. I, I have slowly changed my diet through my time at CNM because I've learned things um about you know nutrition and about different foods and 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 there have been subtle adjustments over time so I would say by the time I was diagnosed with stage four cancer last year I was on I was pretty healthy I had you know in terms of what I was doing my my diet and my lifestyle were pretty healthy lots of vegetables are pretty fairly I fairly plant-based I stopped eating meat when the when I had the first um, tumor taken out I just found it it just didn't sit very well with me um, and felt better for not having it um, so I had fairly plant heavy diet um, but but I was very much moderation 80 20 like eat get the good stuff in eat well but also enjoy myself you know I like mm. a glass of champagne or a chocolate cake as much as the next person and I definitely wasn't going to deny myself those and, and and kind of exercise every day so when I was first diagnosed I went extreme for a few weeks I cut out as much sugar as I possibly could other than eating plenty of fruit for the nutrients and I cut out dairy and gluten and all sorts of things and was like oh you know I just need to be as healthy as possible and I think I got a little bit lost down the rabbit hole as it were and like I went too far and I, I was losing weight quite rapidly partly loss of muscle because I suddenly had stopped exercising because of my back and surgery and so on and you know a lot of sitting around and worry as well and um, but also the cancer does does cause you to to well causes a lot of people to lose weight um so then I kind of I took a step back and I'm working with a nutritional therapist as well and I, I kind of was like right okay what are the important things here so I I've relaxed it a bit and 
and and my diet is still very much all about getting as much vegetables and fruit and whole grains in as possible and and being really healthy but at the same time Again, if I fancy a piece of cake or even very occasionally a small glass of wine, then I'm not going to completely deny myself because food for me is a huge source of enjoyment. Um, I've always been a foodie and I couldn't bear the thought of taking all of that enjoyment away. And I think for a little while, food was becoming something I had to get into my body because I knew I needed the calories, but I wasn't really enjoying eating it. And it was all about, I have to eat this and I have to eat this and not, I want to eat this. So I think I'm finding that balance again, which is good. On chemo days, I lose my appetite. And this for me is something very strange. I've never, never experienced a proper loss of appetite before, but I can look at food and it may as well be cardboard or wow. cold. Like, I just don't want to eat it. And I have to. Mm. And it, quite honestly, it's not particularly, it's not an enjoyable process. I just have to make myself eat. And I get a bit of a metallic taste in my mouth. Um, and I'm suffering with sort of sores in my mouth at the moment. So those things are a challenge. Um, but then kind of on my non-chemo week, I'm feeling much more normal and I can enjoy food a bit more and, and so on. So I think it is about, I think with with everything, I think it's about moderation and being sensible and knowing what the good things are, but not beating yourself up if you can't stick to it hundred percent. Are you so? Are you are you completely plant based now? Then no, I'm not. I eat I eat eggs and a bit of fish, and then dairy. I generally avoid. But if I feel like a bit of cheese or cooking with a bit of butter, I don't beat myself up about it. Um, Again, I'm not. I'm just not too rigid about it. But my fundamentals are lots and lots of plants. Um, and you know nothing you know really nothing refined I wouldn't you wouldn't catch me going and getting a uh, you know fast food takeaway I mean I wouldn't have done anyway but it doesn't it doesn't appeal (laughs) quite frankly although I've had bizarrely had a craving for twiglets don't know why (laughs) oh my god I have not had twiglets for so long Bizarrely, it was the thing I craved when I was pregnant as well. Oh, oh really? Yeah, you know, there we go. There's got to be something in them. We should get some later. Yeah, yeah. In, to pay homage to, to Caroline. This is not sponsored by Twiglet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it is funny how, like, you, you kind of, there's certain things that you used to love, but for some reason just stopped eating them over time and, and years have gone by. Well, yeah, I, Chris, generally, I don't eat anymore, but I used as a kid, it was like skips, what's it? Oh yeah, God, I could yeah! Listen forever, oh, I absolutely loved him. But let's not go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not go down that. That's that, not why we got yeah. you on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, um, Karen. <laughs> um, just, I, I just want to uh, go back to what you were saying about having a nutritional therapist because I think this is really important for somebody out there who might be facing a, a similar kind of battle to you. Your nutritional therapist is also trained to support you through chemotherapy and that is her kind of skill set isn't it as Mm. well and so if people do want to go and get support it is available there's a lot of things that are contraindicated with chemotherapy but I know your your nutritional therapist is very well kind of aware of that and was there is there any dialogue between your kind of oncologist and nutritional therapist or do you check everything that that's been suggested with your oncologist or yeah absolutely I mean so I think there's kind of a couple of points here to make. Obviously, I've got a reasonable amount of knowledge myself, but I think when you're actually in the position, it's really hard to keep a clear head. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted somebody to work with me to have the confidence. As you say, the person I'm working with, she she is very experienced working with cancer patients. So I felt that was important. And, you know, as you say, there's a lot of interactions. So, so something that a lot of people will have heard about that's um good for cancer is turmeric well I can't take turmeric 
uh, capsules because of some of the drugs that I'm on. It's things like that. Like you have to, you have to know about these things. Um, so, so my my nutritional therapist helps me like with all of that and so on. And uh, my oncologist is great actually. He's very open to me using complementary therapies, using supplements, helping you know keep my body as strong and healthy as possible because that's essentially what I'm trying to do with nutrition is boost my immune system because chemotherapy its biggest side effect is that it whacks your immune system and makes you very very susceptible to picking up anything I mean I have to stay away from ill people as much as possible I hate getting the tube I wear a mask um look like an idiot really don't care um <laughs> it's you know it's 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 really important that I I keep myself as healthy, healthy as possible but I'm doing lots with with diet and nutrition to help boost that boost that immunity um and my oncologist is very pro that but I do check everything with him he he knows I'm working with somebody experienced he knows that I've got a certain amount of knowledge so he's quite relaxed and he says to me I will trust that you're doing the checking and, and checking interactions and so on. Um, but he still wants to know everything that I'm mm, taking yeah, of course. Um, because they test my bloods every two weeks and, you know, it, it, they need to make sure that what I'm taking might not impact that and give slightly different results to what they'd expect and so on. From what I've heard from other people as well, oncologists these days are more and more open to you kind of working with complementary practitioners which I think is great because old school perhaps weren't so much and I think increasingly the role of you know healthy eating and nutrition is is increasingly being recognized which is which is wonderful I was really excited to hear that cancer research have got three big new projects that they're sponsoring this year 20 million pounds each and one of them is investigating the role of the microbiome which is the bacteria in your gut and it's um it's uh, role in bowel cancer which I just think is is absolutely brilliant you know a big institution like cancer research is spending some of their money on that rather than just a new drug or so on because i think these things are so important um so it's great that it's yeah becoming so mainstream they do actually have a whole section on their website now about prevention which i plow through on a regular basis i know i know yes i know but at least it's there and i think I think I love the point that you've just made because I'm sure everyone kind of thinks, well, you're at College of Naturopathic Medicine. You know, was there a point where you thought, you know, I'm not going to go the conventional route. I'm going to try and do this with alternative medicine. But actually, sometimes people just ask my advice and go, what would you do in my position? And I often think the two together are probably going to be, in certain cases, one of the most powerful things that you can do. Mm. And it's almost like one without the other just, you know, might not be enough either. And I've had kind of friends who've just done the complete conventional stuff and not looked at any of the diet, lifestyle, mindset, any of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been, it's not working. They just kind of have, you know, let's try another intervention, more drugs, more drugs, more drugs. And you can see the immune system just absolutely kind of collapsing under that. Um, And then equally, some people have kind of just stepped away. And I also think what the, the thing is that you know they are quite powerful in terms of shrinking the tumors which you've said in your case these were actually compromising the health of your spine so they need to be shrunk fast which is going to be something like chemotherapy so it's amazing to hear you combining the two and 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 like you i really hope this is the kind of future of of cancer therapy is the two together yeah no i agree i mean i think my view is that i need to throw everything at this that i can (laughs) um and you know conventional medicine is chemotherapy and radiotherapy they're first line treatments for a reason you know they they are extremely effective a lot of the time radiotherapy just amazing I had horrible pain and side effects for about two weeks afterwards and then gone and as far as I'm concerned the spinal tumor is is gone 
it's done. My pain is, you know, finished, which is brilliant. Um, it's it, Radiotherapy isn't suitable for, for all of my cancer because I've got a lot of tumours all over the place. And the chemotherapy I struggled with a bit more because I think particularly as I've had to do three months of this and I don't know if it's working yet. And the side effects are not nice. You know, it's it's hard and it's getting harder. Like the first round, I was like, oh, this is fine. This is a breeze. I can do this by round six. You know, I'm like last week, I felt pretty awful. I'm not going to lie. Um, so it is difficult. So when I find out the scan results and hopefully it's working and so on. I think mentally that will be a huge um, boost for me because yeah. I'm prepared to, you know, keep putting myself through this if I know that it's it's working and mm. doing some good. And then, yeah, the complementary medicine on on the side, I think I think putting them together is just is just so important. But yeah, absolutely got to give everything a go that I can to start with. And you know, if the chemo is not working, then I'll be looking at other things there aren't many other alternatives from a western medicine perspective so i probably will have to look a little bit more at some alternative and complementary medicines and that's you know that's fine i can do that but um there's hope that chemo is working <laughs> because it's my best chance because <laughs> i think this says a lot about i suppose you as a person and, and and your 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 mindset and your approach to this because as I say, you know, like the, the sad truth is now in terms of cancer rates, like we always say, everyone knows someone who has been affected by cancer. Like I, I don't know of anyone that doesn't know someone that has been affected. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. What did yeah. I say? You got it just to... No, just keep don't going. correct my pronunciation <laughs> on a podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember the first time I said that to Canary, Canary, Canaris, to Caris, is, Caris. Is I said, uh, just don't, don't correct my pronunciation. She's like, it's pronunciation. I was like, so annoying. <laughs> um, you know, because obviously no, no diagnosis is the same. You know, like there's so many Absolutely. different types of cancer and how one, you know, two people can have the same type of cancer and how it affects one is very different to how it affects another, et cetera, et cetera. But I think one thing that, I see varies a hell of a lot is how people respond to the diagnosis and no one's going to be happy about it. Of course not. And they have every right to be upset and annoyed and angry. And, you know, someone like yourself who has led a healthy lifestyle who could say like, this isn't fair. I look after myself. I eat well and, and, and whatnot. And, but we know some people that have just completely almost instantly gone right, well, that's me. That's my fate. I'm just going to accept it. And my days are numbered. Or other people are like, actually, do you know what? Like, I'm going to bloody give this my best shot. And whatever happens, I'm going to fight to the end and I'm going to try everything that I can. And that's where I kind of feel like you're at. Like, there's there's no guarantees what you're doing is going to work, you know, but you're going to bloody give it your best shot. And, yeah. and, and for me, I just think we, we always say, you know, you can eat a really healthy diet you can exercise you can never touch a drop of alcohol not smoke do all of those things does it guarantee you're not gonna get some disease of some sort no it doesn't it, would, it you know it, it just pushes the odds in your favor of not getting it i'd probably like to say but the cheesy analogy i always give is that i think whatever you do is just you're just for whatever life does decide to throw at you it's just focus on building a foundation to deal with it yeah. You know, whether that's like, you know, whether it's cancer, whether it's a, a broken leg on a skiing trip or something like that, like two very different examples. But 
the reason I did give that example actually is that um, I trained uh, this group of three women who all are big into their skiing and they've all got into weight training, which they never used to do. It was all very kind of cardio based. I've been doing a lot of weight training with them. Two of them have had skiing accidents, but literally both of them just bounced back like that surgery you know the full shebang it, it wasn't just a little sprain and even like the uh the hospitals are just like what the hell like you're you're almost back to full fitness in no time just, and sorry i was gonna say just on that note caroline i have to share the bit you told me about the fact that they've said your bowel is actually clear of oh, cancer yeah. at the yeah. moment oh there to you just go. Show, show you the work that you had been doing and who knows where you would be without that? As in, and, you, and you've even said you think it was the lifestyle change which was the most powerful out of everything that you'd you'd done. Definitely, as well. yeah. Stress, stress is a killer. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh god, that, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. That, <laughs> Absolutely. That's a whole other um, but I suppose the point I was making, not to, I know these are two very different stories, but my point was is that the work that they had kind of done for eighteen months prior to having a skiing accident and that required surgery even though, again, it, no one wants to have an operation or, or whatever or get injured. Of course they don't. But all that prehab, which is a bit of a buzzword at the minute, put them in a much better position to deal with the trauma that they incurred through through the injury, through the operation, etc. And I think it's the same with with, with yourself. Like you're, you're going to place yourself in a much better position to for any kind of treatment that you do have to work better if you've got that stronger foundation in place. So in a way, it's like, just see everything that you do as prehab for everything, for whatever <laughs> yeah. life's no, going to throw it. I mean, I was, so the spinal surgery I had, it was major, major surgery. So I've got 12 metal rods in my spine now. Um, and I expected to be in hospital. My, I saw my um, neurosurgeon before the, uh, before the surgery and he said, well, I'm very aggressive with my patients. I get them out within 10 days. No, within a week. And we were like, okay, all right, well, we'll, we'll expect I'm in between a week and two weeks then. I was out after three days. Oh, amazing. Do, so, do yeah, the doctors the were corridor. like, you're doing great. You're up. You can go to the toilet. You can go home. Um, so, and I do think it's because, you know, I was in, I was in really good shape other than a bad back um, when I went in for it. And, you know, I was, and I was also determined, you know, I'd already spent 10 days in the Royal London. I really deserve a gold card for that place. Um, so I was like, I don't want to spend any more time here. I'm determined to get up, get eating get out and then get home and and that's the best place to recover um I think the one the one thing I struggle with a little bit is when people say to me oh you're going to be fine because you're positive and I think you have to be really careful saying something like that to people because in my funeral you're going to turn around and go oh well shame she wasn't positive enough or she'd still be here you have (laughs) I'm being extreme but you have to flip it a bit and you know there is only so much you can do especially when cancer is caught as late as it's been caught for me so I think yes positivity is so important I'm positive about life because I want to enjoy every day that I've got and I'm positive that I can do things to help myself and keep my immunity strong and my body strong and to help me deal with the treatment and so on but you know what it might not be enough I cancer might kill me um, and that's not because I'm not positive and it's not because I'm not doing the right thing so I think there's a lot of debate at the moment about the language that's used around cancer and a lot of people are very against the the battle fighting kind of talk because they they're like you know these people who die they haven't lost anything they haven't they didn't not fight strong enough you know hard enough um and I don't actually I don't 
have too much of a problem with the fighting language like I, I do see it as a bit of a fight and a bit of a challenge and and you know it, I, don't, I think as long as you're careful about not saying win and lose then I don't have a problem with that but I do think the language around around cancer and around ter- like chronic chronic and terminal illness is is really important and and you know it's important to kind of be sensitive to that um, but it's really difficult there isn't you know, people can't win there isn't a right and a wrong because I think everybody sees it slightly differently and and some other people with cancer would completely disagree with what I'm saying right now um, and other people would be totally in agreement so it's it's a really tough one but overall I I agree with you <laughs> I agree with what you're saying Matt looking after yourself and like yeah preparing your body for every eventuality has only got to be a good thing and I'm already back on my yoga mat and really surprising myself with how much I can do and I, I'm really keen to actually start doing proper exercise and going for a run and stuff again at, at the moment the cold is a bit of an issue for me um, but as soon as you know it's a little bit warmer I'm going to be getting out there and even if I can only manage three minutes and don't get as far as the park then then that will be that will be good and I will build that slowly because exercise is just you know it's proven it's one of the best things you can possibly do to help your body when you're when you're ill and when you've got cancer and I just want anybody that's listening to the podcast that's having a bit of a whinge about having to go to the gym or or I should really go for you know like just flip that thought for a second in your head and think about you know, like it is, a, it's, it's like a vitamin for the body in the right amount, yeah. also not too much, not too little. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been some amazing studies on how it helps with things like natural killer cell uh, function. And there was an, a really great study on women with breast cancer where they put pedometers on them during their chemotherapy, radiotherapy and after and said that the ones who move the most, nothing to do with exercise here, they weren't in a gym, they just move the most in terms of pairing of the body and, and kind of mitigating the effects of, of chemotherapy, radiotherapy all the kind of cellular pair is greater in the, in those that move the most. And that was the, the main kind of difference with them. So this time of year, you probably don't want to do that much, but it is just a little bit of yoga or, you know, you know, anything to get on a rebound or do some trampolining, something like that is helpful. Definitely. Yeah. But one thing I just wanted to ask you about was as well, there's also striking that balance between, um, we, we've had a few chats about this in person where it's, it's kind of, I didn't even think about the language. I'll be totally honest. So I don't even know how to phrase this now. I can't say fight cancer. So like, <laughs> you can, you can. It's right. I'll forgive you. <laughs> it, it's a really interesting point. And, and I just, you know, I'd never really thought the implications of those, that kind of language. But one thing I said to you is, is something to consider is there are some practitioners out there that would help you in this situation, nutritional therapists, alternative medicine practitioners, but they may turn it into a full-time job in that there may be this schedule of, of certain foods to have and nutrients to take and some people do enemas and fasting and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of uh, David um, Shervin's I can never say his name yeah, Shervin Schreiber uh, and his book Not the Last Goodbye you, I don't yeah. know if you've read that book yeah, where it, yeah. he literally starts traveling the world for the best treatments when his cancer returns and then at some point I think it's his brother and his wife say to him you know, we're not seeing you, you know, like the time's getting shorter and, and we're not doing, you're just, you're just fighting this whole, you know, in that, in that kind of bubble of, of more treatments. And, um, and eventually he kind of stops and, and spends the last few months of his life with his family. And is, is that something that, that you kind of stu- stood back and, and thought about? Because it looks like you have a really nice balance. If you're still seeing friends and family and having some champagne and then also, you know, you know, doing, working with a nutritional therapist, it just looks like you found this amazing middle ground that gives you the benefit of everything. It's lovely to hear you say that. I, I still feel like this is my biggest... <sighs> difficulty I, I just it's it's impossible to get that balance in everything like how much 
should I be doing? How much should I be doing in terms of looking for alternative treatments? How many second, third, fourth opinions should I get? Should we, should we be looking abroad? Should we be looking for clinical trials? Should I be seeing every alternative practitioner out there? Should I be being extreme with my diet? Or should I just be enjoying every day and just trusting the doctors and, and letting go? And getting that middle ground is it's so hard. It's so, so difficult. And I'm, I don't think I've found it yet. I mean, right now, I feel like I'm in an okay place and we're very much kind of waiting for the scan results because when we know whether or not the chemo is working, that will kind of light up the next few months and, and what that means. And, and hopefully chemo is working. And in that case, I think, again, I've got quite a good balance and I will continue doing what I'm doing. Um, if it's not, then it means a, a, probably a lot more work on my my behalf and, and you know looking elsewhere and outside what the NHS can offer and maybe what the UK can offer um, but it's really difficult and it's I think Keris I think you might have been the one who said to me try not to become that person who sat at home counting apricot kernels all day um, and apricot kernels are, are one of the things that, that apparently can be good for cancer we won't even go into that because that's the whole podcast in itself I think um, and, and actually I think that was you know that was really it's good advice because you the likelihood is I'm not going to be around forever or nobody's going to be around forever the likelihood is I'm not going to be around for as long as you know I might have expected and so I really want to enjoy what I've got right now I really want to enjoy time with my toddler and with my husband and we said from day one we will give chemo a good go but if it becomes too awful we will stop because um we you know this was a joint decision between me and my husband but I will stop because ultimately it's got to be about quality of life and you know it's it's difficult there's there's other drugs available that aren't on the NHS which potentially can help chemo work a bit more and we've had debates about whether we should find the money to to pay for those and when it comes down to it when you look at the research you know they might help extend my life by a couple of weeks and then it's like well is it really worth spending tens of thousands of pounds on something that's going to make a few weeks difference and and that's a very financial decision but then you know there's there's just so many little decisions or so many big decisions like that all the time and at some point you just have to say stop I'm that's enough I'm doing what I can do I'm living the life I want to lead as much as possible you know like I, I, I couldn't go to college for a while but I'm back at college now and that was such a good decision and my, my oncologist was really excited when I told him about this because it's about getting me back for so long cancer was you know a complete full-time job for me um and and now I'm like right well let's make cancer a part-time job because I don't want it to be my full-time job I want to do other things I want to be a mum again I want to be a student again I want to learn I want to write I want to do this and that and it's it's hard it's a never-ending battle of like what do we do what do we do but um you just have to you just have to go with what you your gut instinct pardon the pun um, <laughs> um for um and and you know what feels right at the time and I think for me that's changing all the time like I used to be a, a big long-term planner you know five-year plan ten-year plan this is what we're going to do this is when we're going to have babies this is when we're going to move to the countryside blah 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 and and now I look at my life in in weeks to months and 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 that's okay that's not morbid that's just that's what I can manage it's you know I I can focus on what we're going to do over the next few months and we've just been to Venice for a little holiday which oh, was the most nice. amazing thing ever we really really needed a break and um I say so it was my brother my husband's birthday present and I was like 
like, right, we're going to go and we're going to book it for three weeks time. And like, we would never, ever have like done something that sort of, you know, would always have been yeah. planned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Planned in advance before. Whereas now we're a bit like, okay, no, well, let's do spontaneous things this weekend. We're free and I'm feeling okay. Let's go to the seaside or let's do something. And, and, and that's actually great. I mean, it's a good way to live life. Like take advantage of, of, you know, the, the, the good days and the free days and, and do stuff that you enjoy when you can do it and try not to let, you know, life sort of build up too much and, and take over in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess it's all about like, it's obviously you've gone through a hell of a, an adaptation to, yeah. you know, you know, I imagine your life is very different now. Like you say, your, your decision-making, how much more spontaneous you are is very different to how you would have been before. But I hope I'm not coming across as just like, oh, yeah, you know, you just need to, if you get cancer, just adapt and everything's fine. Like, you know, because I, I, I know that's not the case at all. And I know that getting that news must be absolutely brutal. And I think, again, it's like one of those things that you you could never say how you'd respond until it actually happens to you because you, yeah. you, you don't know. You don't know. It's one of those things that, you know, until you get that news and heaven forbid you do, like, you know, you don't know how you're going to respond, those around you are going to respond, et cetera. But we often talk about how like there's many things in life that you can't control, you know, and, and there are no guarantees, but as easy as it sounds, it's much harder to, to actually implement, but you, you, you can control how you respond to these situations and to, to the news and, and whatnot. And, and I think you're just a shining example of this, Caroline, honestly, like the way you talk, it's almost like, I just forget that I'm talking to someone that's kind of been told that they might have weeks and months to live. Like, I, I, that, do, do you know what I mean? And, and that yeah. for me, I, like, I, that's that's just amazing. It really is. And I think it just says so much about about you as a person. And I hope that anyone's listening who's, you know, not necessarily even going through cancer, but going through some kind of traumatic experience themselves or, you know, whatever it may be, that they can take something from this, which I'm sure they will. Because I think... It's all well and good taking advice from someone like myself, you know, who, yeah, granted, I'm in the health and fitness industry. I have qualifications and stuff, but I, th I think it's it doesn't have as much clout, as much power behind it, if you will, compared to coming from someone like you who's very much going through it right now. You know, it's not even like you've gone through it and you've come out the other side. Like, this is very much a current situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and like I say, I just think, yeah, honestly, thank you for, for sharing this. Cause it's, it's just, it's it, honestly, it's, it's just such, it's an inspiration to me. Like, thank and you. so I guarantee everyone else is feeling the same. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I was gonna say, could, could you repeat for the listeners, the three questions that you said? I mean, this was the, the kind of, was it the, when you discovered the, the precancerous yeah. bowel uh, tumor, yeah. you asked yourself three questions and those three questions pretty much changed your life. I did. Yeah. So I, I kind of said, you know, what makes me happy? What makes me unhappy? And what do I really want from life? And and really, I really sat down and, and thought about those very carefully. And for me, you know, my my stress at work was just like the big red flashing light in what made me unhappy. So I was like, well, that's 
the first thing that's got to change. And, and actually, you know, I, I loved my job in a lot of ways. I worked with an amazing group of people. I was um, pretty senior in the company and um, I've been, I've been there from, from its inception and I was very proud of it, but it was very, very stressful and, and I knew it was doing me harm. Um, and so then the flip side, what made me happy and I like, I knew that I like, I enjoyed learning and I really, I really wanted, well, I guess this is the next one. What do I want for my life? I really wanted a family. We, you know, my husband and I just got married and we definitely wanted children. And I knew that, I would want a more flexible job and lifestyle around that because I, it just wasn't for me to have a child and then go back to working eight hour weeks. Um, I have a huge respect to anybody who can do that, but I knew that wasn't what, how I wanted to do it. So, so writing down those things and thinking about those things, it just, it, it kind of helped me clarify what I wanted to do. And it doesn't mean I went and changed everything overnight. Um, you know, it probably took me the best part of two years to, to really implement that. So I pretty quickly left my job and started studying nutrition and then got pregnant in the same week. Um, but um, but actually, of three weeks, <laughs> happened. But it took me six months kind of from the kind of sitting down and asking these questions to that. And then, you know, another couple of years after that for those sort of things to, to really blossom into, this, as I say, this really great life that I was really happy with. And I remember, Paris, you saying to me when I was first diagnosed, something that you tell a lot of people to do is envisage their life in sort of five, 10 years time. And what do you really want then? And then what can you make happen now? And, and that exercise was good for me because I realized that I'd done it all. That, that, that is what I had done kind of two years before. And, and yes, at, at some point we do plan to, to move out of London, but, but right now actually living in London is, is great for my treatment. treatment. I've got a 10 yeah, minute yeah. journey to, yeah. to my hospital where a lot of people have to travel hours. So, so that's fine. But, but yeah, I'd already ticked a lot of those boxes and that gave me this huge sense of peace. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I think it would be hard to be in this situation and go oh my god I've done nothing with my life I've, I've you know I've, I've not achieved anything because I feel like I've achieved a huge amount you know I'm, I'm only in my 30s but I had a pretty full-on 20s and you know career and lifestyle and, and everything wise and you know in a positive way and and so I'm like I'm in a really happy place and that doesn't mean I want to go anywhere I have a little boy I really want to be around for him but it does make it easier for me to kind of sit back and accept that this is a good position. And right now, all I need to focus on is my health. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to be going, oh, but I've got to find a husband or, oh, I've got to, you know, get a career or, yeah, I want to, I would love to finish my, um, my diploma, but, but it's not like, it's not top priority and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I don't. Um, right now I can focus on me and that does make life easier. Isn't it incredible though how something like this just just <laughs> helps you you know kind of reorganize the priorities that that uh, you know everyone knows these mm. uh, in the background but it's even the the number of people I see this is via the college and the clinics this is you know own client base where there's been something niggling them or some kind of symptom that goes on and on and on and I had a a, a student that I was talking to in a in a lunch hour we we spoke for hours about this but she'd had very similar to you a good kind of ten year stressful career working in sales and marketing and she had a, a kind of pain in her breast that was just, you know, she just kind of for about six months was like, oh, what is that? What is that? And then she kind of went on holiday and put her arms over her head and saw that it was a lump. And then, but it had been there six months, you know, and then she said, yeah. finally went and got it checked out. And because work had been so busy, she hadn't had a chance. And then it was, 
two years of, of kind of, I think she had two years of quite aggressive treatment. And she said, isn't it incredible that didn't have the time then <laughs> and then ended up taking and her life completely changed and she left the job and she's also studying nutrition and lives out in the Peak District now amazing story you know and, and very similar to you and it's almost kind of what I think is always remarkable about your story and anybody else in a, in a similar position to you is it, it's kind of um it just helps it just gives you you know kind of clarity on on what's important in life, what's the priority and, and, and the order of things that need to happen. And, and I'd imagine an immense relief is just how much stuff goes out, out the window, <laughs> yeah. as in like the things you worry about. I don't do things about. I don't want to do anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people you don't, don't want to see. <laughs> Life's too short. Sorry, guys. Yeah, basically. We don't no, worry about things. And actually, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons that I really want to share my story and you know, I want to talk to you guys and so on is, is to hopefully help people to get that perspective you know I know like it, it obviously has a lot more impact if it's somebody you know but a lot of a lot of my friends have said to me oh my goodness you've really helped me see that that thing I was really worrying about isn't important or you've made me go to the doctor and get something checked out and, and actually I mean that's a point I really want to make because you know cancer is they say it's going to affect one in two of us in our life now and I mean that's in the UK and that's that's absolutely huge and our biggest chance of beating it is early detection so you know I would encourage every single person out there if you have any concerns like just learn learn about your body and if you have any concerns please go and get it checked out I mean I was the same like I had blood in my poo which is like the most embarrassing thing to talk about right and and so I didn't go to the doctor for probably six months I was like oh it's just IBS it's not that big a deal I really don't want to go to the doctor this is awkward and now I openly and happily tell everybody I had blood in my poo and you know what having blood in my poo meant that I got that tumor discovered and had it taken out Sadly, I'm still in this position today. But, you know, for other people, that might be that might be mean that they're it picked up early enough that, you know, they could they could be not in this position or, you know, it could be caught at stage one. And, and so many cancers, if they're caught at the early stage, are so, so treatable now. Um, it's really when they're only caught at the much later stage that it gets harder, um, particularly for bowel cancer. So. So, yeah, please learn, learn, learn what's right with your mm. body and, and take it seriously if something doesn't it's, it's such a tough one though isn't it because i always feel that you've got certain individuals that go to the doctors like at every opportunity yeah. <laughs> and you're probably a bit like you know but others who you know like yourself oh, oh look there's bloody me poo oh anyway well, you know what, what's for lunch like you know it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's and 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 i think some people like like many things you, you like oh you know i don't want to make a fuss i'm sure it's fine you know i'm sure it's this and blah blah yeah, blah. yeah i feel and, healthy i feel fine yeah, yeah and, and i think there's i think sometimes you know you've because I can imagine earlier, you know, when you said about your back pain, I can imagine how many people listening going, oh, I've got back pain. Yeah, exactly. but, but in a way, it's If you've like, got back pain, you probably haven't got bowel cancer. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in a way, I suppose, is there any harm kind of like looking into it? You know, if it's something that's been going along for going on for a long time and, you know, could yeah, there be a bigger exactly. problem? And, and I think that's the point. And it's like when we had a guy called uh, Gary Scribbler on um, who lost his wife to sepsis Um Again, it was it was that kind of like classic scenario of she didn't want to bother the she, doctor. She, she, didn't, she didn't want to make a fuss. She thought she just had flu, but then it got really really serious, and then it was too late. But it's one of those things that sepsis is like you know it's it, it's a killer, but detected early, the the kind of like the the cure rate is quite high if detected early, and it's so it's like you say. And again, you know, should you be running to the doctors at the first sign of a sniffle? 
probably not. But I think it's like you said, it's 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 kind of knowing your body a bit better yeah, and being I like, Do you know what, key. this this isn't just a cold or this isn't just ordinary, you know, yeah. bowel Go, movements. I mean, like, I think know, going with your gut is is really important. Like when my back first went in April. I, I didn't think much. Of, I mean, it hurt, but I didn't think much of it. I'd had my son in the in the baby carrier. He was getting quite heavy. I was like, oh, I mustn't do that again. You know, I've obviously pulled a ligament or whatever, done something. Well, saw a chiropractor and he fixed it and, and that was fine. And then happened a few weeks later, same thing. It was when it went for the third time and the, the pain was so bad. And I was like, you know what? This isn't normal. Like, I know this isn't right. Like, obviously I didn't again think it was cancer but I was pretty sure there was something more serious going on and I pushed and I pushed and I pushed until I got an MRI um, which did take a little bit of time but you know I I knew and I stood in I stood in front of the doctor and then in front of the physio and and I remember the physio saying to me oh no I see people with back pain all the time this is normal you're fine you just need to do some weights exercise and get stronger than I was like uh, no, I know my body. This is not right. I need to have an MRI. There is something going wrong here. And luckily, I then saw a more senior physio who immediately agreed and said, yeah, no, you shouldn't have upper back pain like this for this long and, and so on. So, it, you know, I think, do you trust yourself? You're right. We don't want to waste the doctor's time. But nobody else is going to look out for you if you no. don't, quite frankly. So, you know, at least get these things flagged and and think about it even go and talk to your pharmacist because they will they will know if something sounds a bit abnormal and and you know that there's no reason they won't say well you know you should go to the doctor about this or try this if this doesn't work so I think yeah listen to your body we're all so busy like we're all so busy all of the time I see this so much and we don't stop and we don't you know we think taking time out is a luxury and 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 self-indulgent and stuff it's not it's basic you know you need to do it you need to look after your bodies it's so important like we only get one as far as we're aware I mean maybe some people would disagree but but right now <laughs> this is the body you've got look after it listen to it and and you know honor it I think Hmm. I think I was going to say one other thing you could you could also do is just get a regular blood test once a year just to check things like your iron, your vitamin D, all these yeah, really how's, important. How's getting on? Yeah, your, your white blood cells, your blood count. Just a, and I think you know, most people should be happy. I know I am happy to pay for that, you know, and do it privately. It's about hundred pound. It's nothing, but it, mm. it can offer you a lot of just little simple things that we we never forget to you know kind of you know we go and get a car MOT'd and we we upgrade yeah, exactly. phones and pay for more storage on the <laughs> phone and we just never but think about just spending what's interesting about that a blood you, test, yeah you know? but the, the thing is and this is where you know like uh, people get their car MOT because they have to because they can't tax their vehicle unless they've got an MOT. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like they almost need to bring one in for, for your health. It's like <laughs> you have to have an annual MOT, health screening yeah. otherwise I don't know. I don't know, think of something. We'll yeah, take your yeah. Wi-Fi away for two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be the punishment. But Caroline, thank you so much um, for, for coming on today. It's been it's been amazing chatting to you. I could honestly chat to you for like another hour. But yeah, like keep keep doing your thing. Keep being you, you. Keep inspiring. And I was going to say, can you share your uh, blog as well? The, how can Absolutely, yeah. So I'm, I'm on social media at nutritious.living. Um, and my blog is nutritiousliving.co.uk and that's all my cancer story is is on there um, and I'm sharing some things like you know what I'm doing around diet and so on as well um, just you know some, some tips that I think you know I found useful I've had quite a lot of people um, particularly in the bowel cancer community contact me because they know I'm studying nutrition and going oh you know what can I do with this so I thought well yeah. write, write a couple of blog posts but Amazing. it's basic stuff it's nothing it's nothing you know groundbreaking um, but it's just you know some perhaps 
things for everybody to think about. You know, eating yeah, of course, things. absolutely. It's, empower- it's very empowering. Having read it, I think it's. But also, you're a great writer, so keep writing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, no doubt, uh, Keris will keep me updated because she'll no doubt bump into you and absolutely and, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, well, um, thank you again. And no, thanks for having me on, guys. It's great no, to talk to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll look forward to kind of like hearing about, you know, any updates. Um, you said you get the you had the scan today, did you? So you, you had it yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. So okay. scan so, results know. the next couple of weeks, yeah. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because I just want to be like, oh, fingers crossed, all the best. And, but then at the <laughs> oh, same no, time, crossed. Like, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> But, but you know, you said like try not to make a use that language. Try, try oh, to, I know. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a difficult one. But no, keep your fingers crossed for me. <laughs> fingers, toes, the lot crossed. Yeah. All right, then, Caroline. Well, listen, we will hopefully. I mean, if we could have you on again, that would be the best thing ever. All right. Well, we'll reschedule for a couple of years. You know, that'd be amazing. Hopefully, yeah. you're still in it. <laughs> <laughs> Doing great. Cancer free. Yeah. <laughs> That would be amazing, <laughs> wouldn't it? That really would. We, no, we could... I'll, keep, I'll keep you guys updated. And yeah, thanks again so amazing. much for having me on. Great All right, Caroline. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Cheers. Guys, Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. Um, you know, please share that with anyone that, like I said, not might not necessarily be going through cancer, but maybe just going through something traumatic at the moment and you feel like, you know, they could do with a little bit of a little bit of help a little bit of a little bit of hope so to speak and just because i could say like caroline's inspired me and and i'd like to think she's done the same for you so please please share this episode with, with anyone you think will benefit and we will see you in episode 121 see ya bye